0: Welcome back. This is the 13th episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. Joining me today to talk about nature and sound is Italian DJ and producer Donato Dazzi. Donato has been making music since he was a kid, first playing the jaw harp and then making field recordings in his native Italy. He began DJing in the 1980s, discovering techno and acid before moving on to craft his own take on dark, hypnotic electronic music. Although he's currently based out of Rome, Donato's creativity depends on natural surroundings, whether that's his beach house in San Felice or playing in the mountains at Labyrinth Festival in Japan. Donato and I sat down together to talk about nature and sound, a conversation that first started two years ago at Terraforma Festival and picked up this summer in Rome. So thank you so much for hosting me here in Rome.
1: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: (sighs) So I guess the first time that we talked, we were in Milan for a terraforma festival. And last time we spoke, you said that you felt really lucky to live in Italy, not only because of how beautiful the country is, but also because you feel really in touch with nature when you're here. That's correct. Can you tell me a bit about what it means to be in touch with nature for you as a musician or just as a person?
1: Living in Italy is something that um, I feel lucky. I, I feel lucky to live in Italy. It's 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 a good place. It's you have good chance anywhere you go to find something amazing to experience. And in my personal case, I I I've been like growing up in Rome, which is beautiful by itself. Plus, I had the chance to escape once. Um, I mean, every year to uh, to the beachside um, between Rome and Naples, where my family owns a house at the beach in a um, national park. Basically, it's 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 the place where you can really enjoy the silence, you can enjoy the sound of the nature. And uh, so the, the world perception of sound um, can change if you really pay attention to it. And this is what I did over the years. I was not very conscious when I was a kid, but I was already surrounded by real silence at night and I could hear... Uh, just the animals doing their thing. And uh, year after year, this has become something really important to me. I started feeling that everything was music to my ears. And um, then, of course, my curiosity uh, pushed me to explore the places, and especially that place, which is called San Felice Circeo. And uh, I've been like so much in touch to it that I started to feel the need of recording, of make recording of the the surroundings, of the you know going up in the mountain and uh, just making nice nice recordings of anything that I could uh, catch. Mm-hmm. Plus, at the same time, um, near the mountain you have the beach, and uh, so I I started. Getting interest in into recording the sound of the ocean, which is something very basic, mm-hmm. but so beautiful, I think. So um, I've been like trying to go in um, like un, unusual um, locations where I could uh, I, I I could make better recordings, like mm-hmm. where there were rocks, and I could place the microphones in, in a certain way. Uh, and then catch more bass out mm. of the you know out of the sound, and yeah, year after year, this has become something really important to me. So I think that in the future, this is going to get deeper.
0: Okay. I mean, you mentioned loving the the silence, and actually, it's really quiet here at your home. It is. Um, yeah. You can only really hear the cicadas, I think, in, in the yes. garden. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, which is one of my favorite things ever.
0: Yeah, I, because I was, I was telling you before this conversation started that I had just been in sort of downtown Rome, I guess, and mm-hmm. it was so hectic, really tourists everywhere. So do you kind of depend on this silence and the kind of yes, tucked awayness I, I, of your I home? Yes, I could
1: not live in the center mm-hmm. because I like silence. And um, basically, I, I spend many hours just by myself listening to what is around. And uh, maybe sounds a bit crazy, (laughs) but this is what I like to do. So it's the best way for me to think to musical ideas, to what is best for my life, to my friends, to anything. I like to make my own decisions and thinking in silence. And this is really the good place for... um, I don't think I would change or going to living in rome this is for me the best place this is a bit like far from the center um it's it's green enough
0: it reminds me a bit of san francisco with the hills and everything it's really nice yeah
1: absolutely yes
0: and you said that you've lived here since 1998 1998 okay it's
1: it's when i moved in yes
0: and so you were talking about your family's home or their beach house right? yes yes Have you always been attracted to nature? Like even as a kid, was that really important for you to have this kind of beach home? Your whole family's Definitely.
1: like that. I mean, for many years, or when I was a kid, that was all I was waiting for, to to go to the beach and um, have good time with my family and with my friends. To be honest, I was a bit bored in Rome because <laughs> I didn't like really going to school. And definitely not <laughs> not at the school where I was going.
0: So your family's from Rome?
1: No, actually, my family is from the south of Italy, from the southeast, mm. from Bari. And I am the only one of my family which, which was born in Rome. But I definitely feel my roots, which are related to Bari. That's a question of blood. Actually, the beach house is between Rome and Naples. Okay. It's about an hour, 15 minutes driving from here. And um, if this is a quiet place, that's way more quiet. <laughs> because the the house, it's it, it's definitely surrounded by lots of green. Plus, you can see the ocean, mm-hmm. and at night you can hear the sound of it. And in, in wintertime, you, you have to consider there is only maybe 3,000 people living there. Wow. It's really <laughs> silent. And everything that... Um, you know, every sound that is not coming from human beings, it's so loud to my ears. Plus, the surrounding is like a, its like an amphitheater, it's the correct in a, word. In a
0: valley? It's mm-hmm. like a
1: valley surrounded by hills. So there is like a very interesting um, sound, res- acoustic, like a ping pong, you know, it's a natural, it's a natural, uh, let's say, bumping of sound that make me very, very, very interested. Mm. And so that has been one of the reasons why i wanted to make as much recordings as possible actually this is not something that it's coming in the recent years but i started doing that back in the 70s when i was just nine years old so i i, I, I still own the tapes i was recording like um, what we would now call concrete music but for me it was just fun because i was having this um,
0: on a tape recorder.
1: I was having a tape recorder that I fixed myself. was <laughs> broken, and uh, and I, I I just started recording anything, conversations from my family, my sisters. Um, Anything that was happening and, and my father wasn't really happy that I was always going around with a recorder because <laughs> he didn't want to be recorded, actually. <laughs> but I thank God I did because now he's not anymore in this world. When I miss him, I just listen to that mm-hmm. and I feel right. You know. Mm-hmm. I know, I know I did the right thing.
0: It's nice to have those memories to
1: be able to go back to. Definitely, definitely. I was even doing selfies, you know, with mm. this. so I was recording myself.
0: <laughs> Saying what? Before Singing. the edge. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: yes, yes, definitely. Making like uh, sounds with my mouth. I was like making oscillations, wah, 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 stuff like that. <laughs> and I was feeling very stupid doing that. But I, actually I couldn't stop it. I felt that as a natural thing. And uh, now watching what my life has become, I think that... Makes perfectly sense.
0: Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, do you feel like those early interactions with sound or nature or, or music or whatever? Do you think that those have had a really strong effect on you, yes. the artist that you are now?
1: Definitely, I, I feel like there is there, there is not like a gap between that and what it is now. It was just uh, a, a natural step of the process that brought me where I am now. Definitely, I won't I don't regret a single step I did.
0: So do you still go to the beach house? That you yes, yeah.
1: especially in winter time. In summer, <laughs> it's it's like it's too crowded, and I don't feel comfortable at all. Oh. I I I prefer to to be there in winter time when the beach is all for me. I can walk. There is no one around except fishermen, mm-hmm. which is people I like. They spend a lot of time just in silence. One of my real best friends is a fisherman, and uh, I I. I got my some of my best musical ideas when I was with him.
0: <laughs> I read in an interview of yours recently uh, that you were on a trip to Australia for a festival mm. and that you looked up and you had never seen the stars like quite like that.
1: It was in Australia and I was together with the Minilog guys. So we were on our way to uh, the Strawberry Fields Festival. Seb from Minilog just said, Donato, look up in the sky, look at that. And I was like, whoa, I've never seen anything like this. (laughs) Just because there was no lights around. Mm -hmm. And so you could see uh, things that normally you can't see. Even if you are in an isolated place, there is still lights which are too close and don't make you able to see the real thing upstairs, uh, up, uh, you know, in the sky. And uh, basically I I thought that, okay, that is something I will never forget Mm -hmm. because you could see... Uh, I don't know, you, you, you could see all the things, like when you watch a documentary. Yeah,
0: it looks really close to I find. Like, yes. It's, it's so such a many strange many feeling.
1: Millions of stars. And you, I, I had no <laughs> idea you could see without, you know, a tool, without a telescope to see or to be able to see something like this. Probably that it's my deepest memory from all the Australian trips.
0: And what is it like playing at those kind of big outdoor festivals? Um,
1: I played the Peach Festival. I played in Sydney for this guy called Matt Constein, but it was always indoor parties. Um, uh, while in, uh, in the area of Melbourne, I always played outdoor mm-hmm. parties. And the most fond memory, with no disrespect to anything else <laughs> that I did, but was this festival called Inner Barnica.
0: Okay, I've never heard of that.
1: Oh my God, it was uh, something that, who was there, if there is anyone listening to this, <laughs> they will remember what I remember. It was like, um, also because of uh, uh, certain circumstances that made it special. The world festival was hosted in a dried lake. Okay, wow. Which is already amazing. Uh, plus it was like a um, um, moon eclipse that night. And there was fog <laughs> pouring down in the in the lake. It was like something that I never experienced before, and probably I will never experience again. And it was like uh, I was having the feeling to be part of a tribe. All the ancient um, history of Australia was uh, present, uh, present between all of us. Mm. We were a tribe. And I think I played one of the real best sets of my
0: life there. Is it recorded?
1: I don't think so. I I don't know if it's recorded. If it is recorded, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Because I want just to keep the memories of it. I usually don't listen to my recordings. Mm. Because I want to keep the memories.
0: Do you think that being in touch with nature is something that informs your decision-making, like, in terms of where you live? Like, we sort of touched on this a bit earlier, but do you think you could live in a city like... Berlin, for example, or London?
1: I used to live in Berlin mm-hmm. for a few years, but that was transitional. It's, it's, uh, it's important to do at some point something like this for everyone, not just for me, because you need to get in touch with people coming from every side of the globe, which Berlin is a perfect place for. So I used to live for about three years in Berlin and I met some of the best people I have in my life mm-hmm. and I'm still in touch with. And, um, plus, it helped me to get out of the, um, uh, let's say, from the Italian habits mm-hmm. I had, you know, which is good in some ways, but I was a kind of prisoner of my own habits.
0: Italian habits like what?
1: Eating our own food all the time, speaking our language all the time, and pretending other people, you know, to help you in communicating. Also, musical, musically wise, was very important to get out of the usual places where mm. I used to share the music. I needed to, to get something to make myself more rich, I mean, inside. And Berlin was the right place for, you know, also Italians can be a bit lazy, you know, and uh, I, I don't like to, to have such a feeling. I still am lazy in some ways. Um, You know, I don't like to get out, take the car, go to the center, go to visit people. I just don't like it.
0: Prefer to stay at home.
1: (laughs) Or I prefer to be like walking. Plus, you know, it has to do probably with the fact that I travel quite a bit. And when I don't travel, I like to be home. Like now, these days, I'm not going anywhere. Sometimes I go walking, I go to eat something in the neighborhood, but it's not... Like, I feel the necessity to have a social life in town.
0: I guess it's also because maybe because you're touring so much that... That has when to you do with that, but time.
1: also it has to do with the fact that I prefer to use my time in different ways. I just don't like, you know, doing things which are kind of uh, um, normal things of the usual life that people has go to the bar go to the restaurant and meet the friends and go to the club, it's not my thing.
0: I get the impression though that the label is quite a social thing for you. I mean, we talked about this a bit the last time we spoke at Terraforma and you were saying that when friends come to come to Rome, then they'll come over and work yes, with you on something.
1: I prefer to, if a friend come to visit, I host in my house, There is space enough? Or I can bring a friend and go to the beach, you know? That I like to do. Let's go to the beach, let's go to have a walk at the beach. Uh, let's go to, to see the lake then that's, then I'm down. But if it's about like, uh, going to restaurants, I get bored. I, since I'm also a good cook, I prefer <laughs> to invite you and cook for you, which I think is way more socializing than just, you know, going in a restaurant and.
0: <laughs> so what has it been like for you with the label the past couple of years, since we talked last?
1: Things have been like growing up. Now we, we reached like a, a considerable, considerable amount of releases. Um, still there is so much to do, I guess, because ideas never stop. Since, since the last time we spoke, thing i have been establishing. Um, I, I, I received quite a lot of feedbacks from friends and just people that uh, like music and get in touch because they like release, the releases. And also was a good experience for us to understand really where we wanted to go. You know, I, I was used to have labels before, but always lazy label, like one, two releases per year. And uh,
0: oh, you guys are releasing quite a bit.
1: Yeah. So uh, the fact that the the, the rhythm of, uh, you know, how the, the label has been like put together, it's not like before. So it, it requests way more work. And I realized step by step that... Um, it was a real good chance to make experiments. So, let's say, the first releases were a bit more focused on dance floor stuff. But then I realized that, or not just me, but all of us, we realized that there was so much more we wanted to showcase. I realized myself, when I go playing around, I don't just play techno. I play many different styles, and same is Neil and uh, Dion, which is our partner in crime with this uh, also has uh, I mean he's not a DJ but he he totally agree with being eclectic uh, you know kind of challenging ourselves and the audience at the same time this makes things stimulating I think
0: you were saying before we started recording that you're kind of trying to play different sets that dig back into your older record collection and things like that can you talk a bit about that
1: yes this has a lot to do with um, yeah with with my, with my own psychology, with the way I, I deal with myself. And I, I don't see the steps of my life like something which is gone and lost. I think everything is like a precious chapter that it's still communicating with the previous and the next, and the next, next. <laughs> and so I realized that the cycles are a, really a true thing, not only in history but in music, in music history as well, and in my personal history. See, I'm still proud of what I did twenty years before, you know, and I like to show to people, maybe to newcomers or to you know people that was not even born that time. You know what what we listen now is coming from. That's also my role. This is when you get experience, it's not just to make like an amazing set, but playing something that somehow stimulates research in in the listener, Mm -hmm. whatever the age is. Of course, when I play a certain track, who was there back in the, for example, Branca Leone years, yeah, there will be like memories popping up. Of course. But for some other people, it will be like something completely new Mm -hmm. that it's worth exploring and checking. And so my role is also to make connections for myself because first of all that makes me feel good as a human because i feel all chapters of my life are connected and well accepted and on the other hand it makes musically sense because i i I can realize what i do now how from where it's coming from and uh, how i build it step by step so that's very important
0: do you think that your music, the music that you produce, is influenced by your love of nature and the outdoors at all?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. In because, what ways? Because I, I realized that I like playing in many different contexts, but the most meaningful situations are connected to nature because it's um, um, nature represents an important factor that you have to deal with when, when you play in an outdoor context the sun the rain mm-hmm. uh, the wind um, the trees the sound of the other you know of the other uh, animals around you know and that becomes part of the music itself for example i played this last terraforma set it wouldn't have been so special if it wasn't exactly in the spot where i played which was in the in that nice garden surrounded by the trees and uh, at the sunset, you know, the the sun, the 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 waves of sun were coming through the trees, putting like the people in a ecstatic um, sense, which was for me as well, and that was influencing what I was doing. I like when what you do, uh, what you do is a part of a bigger thing. When you are inside of a club, it can be still amazing, but it's very limited to me. That's why I feel that my role has a lot to do with things like Labyrinth, like um, Terraforma, like other festivals where, like, you know, what I told you before about the, you know, Inner Barnica in Australia. It's like, you feel like you are a component of a way bigger world. And that makes me feel good on a personal level. And I feel that the people around totally get this. And uh, it becomes really, a personal experience you
0: know. and what about for you when you come back to the studio and you're working on a track do you find that like you're those experiences where you're playing in the outdoors or you're doing your live set at terraforma for example do you think that that all kind of plays into the music that you create when you're at home
1: yeah yeah not completely it's like um in, in some moments yes when I be when I create some music then I that I know it's going to end up to be played in um, um open air environment of course i start you know i i need to open all the windows i need to have light inside i need to watch outside i need to um to, to you know i mean i need i need to be connected with what's happening out outside, but in some other ways i also I um, like to produce music which is supposed to play played in warehouse context instead of in, you know, industrial, instead of anything. It's, um, it's something I also feel very comfortable with. But I never go in the studio just for going in the studio. You
0: always have your idea.
1: When I go in the studio, I go there because I have an idea, mm-hmm. otherwise I don't go.
0: Can you talk to me a bit more about your live set at Terraforma?
1: Light, the live set was uh, b- built on um, my own material. So usually I play this sort of sets on a hybrid setup, mm-hmm. which means I do my own thing, play my own sounds, mixed with um, other people sa- uh, samples of any type. Um, but this time I've been focusing more on my own sounds. So I still have catched a little bit of things from um, from other people, but I transformed them so much to make them unrecognizable and in this case uh, my my idea behind the set was uh, to build something cosmic but not cosmic, I mean cosmic probably uh, the main idea behind this cosmic thing was um, the cosmic disco that was so popular in Italy back in the 70s, you know, from Daniele Baldelli. So <laughs> I started like, collecting a few of records from that period, sampling and transforming them so much that you couldn't even recognize them anymore. So the source conceptually was coming from there. But in terms of uh, um, the result, what you would hear was more cosmic in a uh, German way. Okay. <laughs> let's say more of a, uh, let's say expanded uh, sounds in time, so a track could last twenty minutes. It was a mix between Daniele Baldelli in a way, for the source and the Tangerine Dream for the result. <laughs> Perfect, with a bit more rhythm on mm-hmm. top. And uh, I I built basically a wall studio there, and I um, I agreed with Ruggero, the guy who ran the festival. To don't announce anything to the people because I just wanted them to find it, what it was in the moment without expecting anything.
0: You mean the live aspect?
1: Yeah, I or mean just... the people arrived and they found a wall studio built <laughs> in the in, in in the spot. Wow. And uh, it was like a, a quite complex setup because I had like a big mixer, 808, 909, all these classic drum machines, plus a lot of hardware effects and synthesizers. I could play on the fly. The the, 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 the other challenge was to make this accessible to the people, to don't make it too complex or, or to make it look too complex. So I
0: think that's a big Thing that some artists like, it seems so complicated and I it's, didn't want this it's a to big be distance like a, between the I audience. I didn't want you know? this
1: to be a nerdy thing. <laughs> I wanted to be functional. So I built the setup and everyone could come close and check themselves what I was doing. That was interesting because th- that has been for sure stimulating the curiosity of many people. And this is my ultimate goal when I do these type of things. 'Cause I don't like to expose myself like, okay, I'm cool, I'm doing this. <laughs> I, I do that because there is a reason. And then okay, then I do it. Otherwise I you know, I I, I I like the concept behind then I do it.
0: I wanna talk a bit about some of your releases. I know that your two thousand fifteen release, The Loud Silence, was built around the sounds of the jaw harp. Right. And that you also included field recordings from in the mountains, in the Mediterranean, and on a sailboat.
1: Exactly, Is that true? many of these recordings <laughs> were coming from the mountain of San Felice.
0: And so, was that recordings that you did specifically for the album, or was that old? Yeah, yeah, work? yeah
1: specifically for the album, because some of the um, Joe harp sounds I recorded were up in the mountain. Mm-hmm. So it was a my it was a very intimate experience. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, still now, uh, you know. Sometimes I feel if that was fair to share it with people. You know, for me it's obvious. Like I wanted to explore um, what like a 303 could have been sounding 200 years before. <laughs> now we have the 303 and we can get, you know, uh, addicted to the acid sound. But what the people was doing before, that was my personal curiosity. Mm-hmm. This is why I've been like exploring this instrument so much.
0: So how did you learn to play the jaw harp
1: it's quite a you know this is a, a connection to what we were saying before about me doing sounds when i was kid
0: i was gonna say yes. it seems similar
1: i was doing like um, sort of lfo and uh, modulating with my own mouth and i was recording that so what i did 40 years later it's not that different it's just with an instrument that i, I knew since since my childhood because the first Joe Harp I got was uh, maybe in 1977 or 78. Okay,
0: so you've been playing for your whole life. Yeah,
1: but I'm not a good Joe Harp player, of course. (laughs) There is people which is amazingly good. But still, the idea I had behind was I wanted to record simple patterns that I could treat in a second moment like as it was recorded in a studio, like with a real synthesizer. But actually that... none of the sounds you hear in that album is like coming from electricity. It was all coming from human breathing and from, you know, you know, I think that record has more maybe significance and important for myself. This is why sometimes I'm not sure I should have released it, but I'm I'm still very happy with it because it was like something I needed to do at some point in my life, you know, and it came in a... In the same year um, where I recorded also the vocal album together with Anna Caragnano. So it was like a a period where I needed to um, live for a moment what I was usually doing in the studio and uh, somehow put it in a context of historically important context. You know, also because I, I'm, i you know, very interested in the early experiments that were done in Italy, early 70s, um, you know, the, the, the musical scene in Italy was so rich and there was a lot of people experimenting in this direction. But then I have the feeling that things somehow from 1978 sort of stopped uh, or maybe didn't stop, like, because people always, there is always people in Italy doing research and... You know experiments, but there is not anymore a scene. So before you could see all of these acts together in big festivals, but from a certain moment, this didn't happen anymore. So um, I decided that it was something I needed to do at least once in my life to connect with that period, and uh, yeah, maybe I will do again in the future. I don't know
0: can you tell me a bit more about the field recordings that you used on that album and maybe just in general how you use field recordings in your work
1: um it's like in the moment i i I will tell you something very simple in the moment i'm recording something in the studio i like to connect it with what is happening outside so in the moment i'm recording something i put a recorder outside of my window and um, i catch Everything that is happening, cars or uh, birds or um, airplanes passing by, whatever. And uh, of course, this doesn't happen every time, but often, yes. So, and I take this recording and somehow I put it in the mix in a subliminal way to give the recording an organic feel. I don't like it to be too... uh, How to say? I don't like the recording to be too clean. Synthetic. Too synthetic. I like always to have an organic element popping up into it. So I always find a way to make this happen.
0: It's interesting that you say subliminal. So is that technique something you use every time? And that's sort of something that we don't realize that we're hearing, but it affects us in some way? Do you know what I mean?
1: The the fact is that... um, Whatever you listen to can be any type of music, but there will be an element that you don't, listen, you don't hear creel- clearly, but that keep you connected to the real world. And this is uh, for me very important, because I, I don't lose this way the contact with the surroundings. I like to be by myself, but I don't like to be isolated. And this is my way to be connected to the rest of the world. It's to to just, you know, add a little bit of recording of something stupid even, but something that is there and reminds me that I'm part of something bigger, not just of what I'm doing. My world doesn't end in the studio or in my house. There is still stuff to discover outside. Um, This way psychologically works for me.
0: You did a really wonderful interview with Suzanne Ciani a few years ago now. Oh my God. Um, yes. <laughs> She's so
1: wonderful. I couldn't sleep the night after.
0: <laughs> she's so great. I've had her on the podcast as well and she's just her, all of her, everything she says is just... She has an just... energy.
1: I think she, she has an energy that no one else I met in my life had. And I felt like a um, stone
0: by this. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the interview you were saying, you guys were talking a lot about The idea of creating natural or organic sounds with electronic instruments and you said at the time that there should be a continuity between nature and synthesizers true um so what did you mean by that exactly
1: it's like that everything is sound Uh, that's the simple answer everything is sound it's like um, everything that we put on recording has a waveform and um, i hear melodies Maybe unwanted memories or just random melodies coming from what you hear outside you know, and um, sometimes what we do in the studio is just the same we like we create random sequence that m- make ours, our ears happy and uh, same goes with um, what we do outside, like uh, for example Chris Watson, which i'm a big fan of it's like people that um, make the 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 art of recording like the 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 field recordings like something artistic like something that you can build a story not only just recording sounds on synthesizers you can build a story also recording sounds outside going Mm -hmm. with the microphone and taking interesting things and put them in a sequence that makes sense for you so you know, bukla especially, I said that in in that context, because bukla is one of those instruments that make you able to, how to say, to create sounds that sound similar to to nature. Mm-hmm. Like, you like can, the bukla
0: waves that us. Yes, send it,
1: Yeah, you can create like bird sounds, you can create something that really goes close to the water, how the, the drops fall. Bukla is unique on this way. and. Uh, if I had to say something like that, wouldn't have been a better context than with someone who is so experienced with a bukla and would perfectly understand what I was saying. Uh, basically, it has to do with the fact that I hear music in anything. That's why I, I don't live just in my studio, but for me the studio is a component of the of a bigger picture. I need to go around, I need to listen to um, anything, and that gives me intuitions and ideas also about how to use better my studio i couldn't do just studio production without listening to what's happening outside i hear the notes i hear the notes you know i i feel the sequences when a bird is singing or i made experiments you know with the sound of the cricket you uh, you try to pitch down in a dramatically way you you take the recording of crickets you and you pitch it down it sounds like a um, a woman chanting it's incredible you know how uh, because this is our our perception we as human we hear frequencies from a, a level to another level and that's it but other animals just have a different perception of it and if we play with it we can really expand the world that surrounds us and it's it's a never-ending discovery
0: so for you i mean on a creative level, field recordings, and then stuff that you make on your bookla, all that is kind of, serves the same purpose for you, all of that you consider as music?
1: Absolutely, I make no difference. Music is everything that surrounds us. I have a, a large um, definition of music.
0: Do you think that your music benefits from that sort of philosophy of taking everything as music? I think so, I
1: think so. Yeah, I mean... I'm... At least this makes me feel good. I think other people that pay attention to what I do would probably notice that.
0: So I think that I would regret if I didn't ask you about Clio because it's my favorite release of this year. I I love it so so much. I've heard it out twice now, once when Marco played it in Berghain, I yeah. think, and another time when Patrick Russell closed with right. it at About Blank. So can you talk about a bit about the creation of that track and sort of what it's been like for you seeing this, I think, older piece of yours come to fruition this year? <sighs>
1: what a question. <laughs> it's special because it's made for someone really special. It's, 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 it's something made in a special context of life. That uh, was extremely meaningful, and I wrote it down at 10 in the morning of uh, 1st January 2017, when, you know, my life was changing, and uh, that is the result of it.
0: So were you surprised at the reaction to the track?
1: Actually, that was not even meant to be released.
0: Okay, yeah, so can you tell the story a bit about what happened with Marco? I made
1: the track uh, really for personal purposes, and to share it with the people that was directed to. But in between, Marco came, and uh, he fell really in love with the track. And uh, he he asked me to to have it. Tr- I mean, I could feel that that track was really meaning something to him. That's why I decided that it, he was the right person. I mean, at some point, I felt that this track was belonging to him. Because he's the one that showed me the most of the excitement for. And... Uh, so for me, it made perfectly sense to, to put it in his hands.
0: So have you played it yourself? Out? No, no. Do you think you'll ever play it?
1: No, I don't
0: think so. Do you make decisions like that about certain tracks of yours? That you, some you yes, will play, some, some, some that you don't? some of the don't. stuff,
1: it's too personal to, to be played. Or maybe some tracks which are meaningful to me, I played it just maybe once in my life. I, I, I usually don't tend to play my own tracks unless it's a live act where I create something for the people. But I am not, uh, on this sense, I'm not an exhibitionist. Like, um, I don't like to play my own thing. I I, I prefer to select music from other people and play it out.
0: Mm.
1: I play my own stuff right when it's necessary, when it's unavoidable. Then I play my (laughs) own track. Otherwise, I won't.
0: So I read in an interview of yours that you have a low pressure way of creating music and that sometimes you'll just make a pattern and then kind of let it run all day. Yeah. So can you tell me a bit more about, I guess, your creative process?
1: It, it can change sometimes, but um, often it's like you said, I need to, to, to get used to it. I, I, I don't just make a pattern, oh, that's cool, Record it. done. It doesn't work that way, <laughs> especially because I tend to leave my tracks pretty much minimalistic, and so the few elements uh, need to stand that that I create. They need to stand by themselves without getting boring or re- too repetitive. I need to create something that, in with, with its simplicity, somehow don't make you bored or keeps 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 you wanting to listen to uh, again. So for that reason, sometimes I just create a pattern, I make this the synth running, and you know I like also the synth to warm up even hours sometimes. Maybe I go, I change a little detail, but I still don't record it. And then when I feel it's the right moment, bang. It's like a press record and the take is done. Yeah. Then I don't make much of an edit of it. I like just to leave it like it was to keep the experience intact mm. or the feeling I had in some other hands, this also don't make me stressed I, it, it doesn't put me or force me to do a, like an intense studio activity I sometimes can just turn on the studio let the synth go run and I do other stuff I clean the house <laughs> I, I still but I still listen to it you know and then if I'm happy with it then I record it it um, seems
0: like you kind of have to live with your tracks a little bit
1: Yes, and uh, after this is recorded and I feel I've done something significant, I maybe listen to the track uh, for two days in a row without doing anything else. And that also is something really, really interesting because it has a lot to do with the way I use music. When I fall in love with something, I need to stick with it and to absorb in in, in my body as much as I can. So I, I need to be really into it. Plus, I don't, let's say, I don't like to sit in the studio for too long. Maybe years ago, things were different. I was more into the process of uh, staying there, making experiments, but now getting older, I really know what I want from my, from my machines. And I don't need to stay an entire day in the studio. I actually don't like that. I prefer to um, spend maybe two hours there and do something useful. Also because, you know, physically it's not good just to stay in (laughs) In the dark. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, also because of my back, um, many, many reasons. My body somehow also shaped the way I work now. It's all has to do, it's not just, you know, a decision that you take intentionally, but it's also following what your body tells you. And so you do the things according to your possibilities. And uh, I, I found out that now uh, the less, it's the more quality. The less time I spend in the studio means many times more quality in what I do. Because I go there with a precise idea. Um, I make it happen. And um, yeah, and, and it's done. When, and When it takes more hours, as I said before, I don't need to necessarily be in the studio. I turn on the machines, I let them go. I like it. After two hours, maybe I record it. Otherwise, not. Mm-hmm. I turn off the studio, and then I'm done.
0: I think there's this big thing around, especially electronic music. People spending like days in the studio, mm-hmm. for example. And I, think I
1: mean, <laughs> there is an age, a, a stage of your life where you need to do that. I think because you need to get familiar with it. You need to get confident. Now, you know, I say this as uh, the most easy things in the world, but to be able to uh, go in the studio and um capitalize your ideas in just a couple of hours means a lot of knowledge behind means a lot of experience behind so it's not just something that you do because it's the best thing you can do no it's something that you do because it has a consequence of an entire life so now i'm i'm enjoying this side of it because i i i feel i'm not depending on on my studio actually sometimes some of the tracks I do are not even going through the studio. You know, for example, Clio, we were talking before, has been made at the beachside. Actually, I made it, I, I forgot to say, I made it, I made it in San Felice. I was there, you know, to spend my New Year's Eve uh, back in 2006. Over there I have a, a little bit of equipment and um, sometimes I just do the recordings. I have enough knowledge to know if something is sounding well or not. And so sometimes things are not necessarily going through my studio here in Rome because they are already complete without the need of going through.
0: In an interview, it was a while ago now, but in an interview of yours you said that music has to be influenced by the place that we live. We're surrounded by environments that are full of colors and smells and that is easily transposed into the music.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I still think that in full.
0: So can you tell me a bit about how the colors and smells of your home here.
1: The places that I love the most are uh, surrounded by plants and uh, environments that smell any sort of thing in a good way. Um, You know, in San Felice, we have a very big garden full of flowers and full of flavors, you know. Um, On the same hand, um, it, it has to do probably with the food, with what we eat. It has so much personality, so much character, that of course shapes what you do. Sometimes I I I, I have my musical ideas while I'm cooking, while I'm treating the ingredients, and I like the touch. I like to have the control of every of each single step of it. Same hand. Um, I I I sit outside in the garden. I, 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 he- I feel certain smell and it's different from night time and day time and you can get so many rich musical ideas uh, and this is a um, part of the process, I mean, I couldn't do anything different, but this is something I could understand in full only after I made certain experience um, in the learning of the process about how to make or composing music. So before to go to Berlin and to live there I wasn't feeling in a su- in such a way. After I came back I started appreciating all these singles details because in Berlin everything is beautiful but the smells and the tastes are not so strong and <laughs> I hope Berlin friends will not be pissed off <laughs> at me because of that but actually I struggled when I lived there I struggled to eat good and to you know uh, to, to see, you know, I, I needed to be also distant from that because when the moment I went back, I exactly knew that was what I was looking for.
0: But sometimes you have to leave in order to come back. If that's that makes that's
1: sense. that's why I. That's another reason why I left from Italy in two thousand four. You know, I I needed to get out of, uh, you know, I needed to be able to appreciate in full the place where I live, but I couldn't do that if I didn't go in another place. Were to learn how to do
0: it. What do you think this leaving and coming back has brought to your music now? Do you think it's something that you can hear in the way that you produce or in in your creativity or it's
1: definitely it's all there, it's all there because it it made me able to develop a, a way to communicate that embrace Berlin, embrace San Felice, embrace Rome, embrace all the single places where I have been, you know let's say before to move to Berlin everything for me was uh, like a unique color. Once I came back from Berlin I started seeing things in a different way also my say let's say my political ideas all my things were way more rich after getting in touch with different cultures and after traveling so much around. So now I, I, I'm i way more um, politically aware what's happening here besides the fact that i've been like graduating in in history so i know a thing or two about politics you know (laughs) and um, it helps me now to 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 relate myself to the society where i live musically and not musically you know it's it's both, both both aspects which are very important
0: you mentioned color do you think that your music has a color of
1: course
0: i've actually asked this question to two other artists so far one was deep chord and he said that his music is a lot of blues and purples, and Max Richter, the composer, said that his music is blue.
1: I go for I, <laughs> I have three colors: it's blue, gray, and green. Gray is always necessary because um, it it actually collects many many feelings which are not directly related to a specific color. Many times we just feel gray. We don't know what we want from our life, you know. So I feel gray. <laughs> <laughs> But but overall, you know, from the gray, you switch to green, which is hope, and blue, which is sadness. But the two colors are equally beautiful and dependent from each other. So I couldn't do things which are exclusively blue. There is nothing I do which is completely blue or completely green. There is always, you know, interaction between the three elements.
0: Do you think that your music changes color depending on where you're playing it? For example, like, this is a weird example, but maybe it's red in Berghain and green at Terraforma Festival.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I I definitely try to, I I just don't go in a place and pretend (laughs) to play a certain, I always look around, I always see what's happening around me, and um, I try to shape the color according to the place where I am, always. Otherwise, I would get bored or I, I wouldn't feel honest enough, you know. I mean, sometimes when I go I, 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 in, in the Tresor, for example, I played some of the most aggressive sets I've ever done in my life. Some of my friends were like... Whoa. No, they were like, uh, uh, do you feel right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was even surprised by myself for how aggressive. I, sometimes places really call the blood out of you. You know, some other places don't, but it's right this way. This is why it's nice to play in different contexts, because you, you can really explore also how you react. To, I don't have a, a, a standard set that I play everywhere. Every set has to be different.
0: And so what about at a festival like Labyrinth, which I know you've been a, a part of for quite some time now?
1: Yeah, it's, it's 12 years
0: now. Yeah. What has that been like for you, kind of watching the festival grow, both as a, an artist that plays there and as somebody who just goes to enjoy the music as well?
1: Uh, that's uh, you know, Labyrinth is uh, the most, it's the most intimate and um, significant thing I ever done in my life, because th- this goes beyond the music. It's something that has um, me involved on a personal level with the people of Labyrinth, for many reasons. And um, it's an open air laboratory for me, where um, there is a never ending discovery this because of a fantastic person that is russ um, which is uh, the the guy who does the mind games but obviously labyrinth is not just russ it's also Yasuyo, is so and all the stuff the wonderful stuff of the festival personally i i it has been the very first time where i found out that my music belongs to nature and uh, also after labyrinth I I, I I had this experience in other places but labyrinth is the first place and so means and that means is it's it, it's it's just more important than anything else because it's the first it's like the first love mm-hmm. you never forget it you know and uh, this way you know after twelve years that I'm now playing there uh, I just feel the discovery and the research hasn't ended. It, it, it's every year something like, I've been closing the festival for many years, but that at some point has become a cliche. And for that reason, I, I think uh, it was right to stop it a few, a, a few years back and uh, just try to do different things in there.
0: What kind of different things?
1: Um, I, I won't say what I'm doing this year, but <laughs> I, 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 I know last year I've been challenging myself with a daytime house set, for example, which wasn't a fortunate occasion because it was pouring a lot of rain and the sunny vibes I had in my bag were a bit lost <laughs> in the rain. Still, I've been like challenging myself playing some of the very first ambient sets I ever done many years ago. Uh, It was Labyrinth, the first place where I did it. Same is like to push my own boundaries. Like, I I, I played some of the most acid sets ever done in my life, and I knew that that could have been done only there, because it's my family. You know, I I have a personal relationship with many of the people which is involved in Labyrinth, not just the crew behind, but also in the audience. When I go on stage, I feel that is my family and I'm going to give my heart to them. So this is something that is enough already. Only that this aspect is enough to keep me motivated, to keep on delivering something unique. And so this will be this year.
0: Can you talk a bit about, for people that haven't been to Labyrinth, um, can you talk a bit about where the festival is located? It's in the mountains, right? Yes,
1: it's um, it, it, when I, uh, you know, it, it, over the years, because it, it started in year 2000, so it's 18 years mm-hmm. of history. I went there for the first time in 2007, and at that time it was in the prefecture of Gunma, um, which I loved really. And in that same um, context, I played the, 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 my first closing set which stays still probably the most unique set I've done there in 2008 um, but then from 2009 the 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 festival moved to Niigata to the region of Niigata in, in in a bigger in a bigger space which is also where the Fuji Rock Festival is hosted it took me let's say a couple of years to get adjusted to the new to the new location and now i feel it couldn't be anything any, anywhere else than that place also because I, I know where the hotel where I'm going to stay I know the owner <laughs> it, it, it took years to build a personal relationship, actually I'm the only artist who is allowed to use the kitchen of the, of the hotel <laughs> you know Japanese are very precise yeah. about what it can be done and what not everything also know is with kindness mm-hmm. but one of the rules is that no one touch the kitchen <laughs> but i can you. do that <laughs> <laughs> so it's like um, there is many things that uh, keep me so connected to it from the personal relationship i have with the people behind to the you know to the just the people i met i meet every year and that for me it's like a it's, it's so nice, it's so lovely to be in touch with, you know. Um, and the other fact I like is that over the years uh, um, Labyrinth could have become a very important international festival. But thanks God this wasn't the case, because the beauty of it stands in the fact that this is a, a Japanese event and it's embraced by the Japanese culture. So who is coming from abroad somehow should embrace the Japanese culture to enjoy this in full. And this means shut the fuck up in the dance floor, <laughs> don't talk too much, listen to the music yeah. and respect the other people that want to listen to it. If you want to talk, there is so many other places where you can do that. In the moment uh, where Russ and the other people of the staff realized that this element, this element was uh, a bit, let's say, not so clear anymore, somehow the festival had been a bit stepping back, like uh, less tickets, less people from abroad, not more international tickets, (laughs) which I totally agree with.
0: I heard the Australians are to blame for that.
1: Uh, Well, uh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I have to say yes. I mean, I don't want to make it something too general. Yeah. Obviously, um. but I remember a few people that really got on my nerves in some occasions because, you know, you are living together other people um, a, 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 a group experience. Your ego should be in a corner. You should leave your ego at home. This is not your party. That's everybody party. And this should be kept in mind. And on this aspect. I like the fact that now this is going back in Japanese hands and uh, this is something that definitely keeps me stimulated to keep on going. I don't like to see too many Western people in there because it's, it's it's not that I don't like Western people, but it's like I love to see how Japanese make the labyrinth a wonderful event and it should stay like this. It, it's happening in Japan, you know. When I was there. I was really, there was, probably there was just one, another Italian guy. I was maybe the only Italian around, you know? Um, so also when, when some of my friends ask me to go, I'm not like, okay, no problem. I always think carefully. I, I, I like to, to, to keep this like a very special thing. Also because it has a special meaning to me. I don't want to go there and worry about other people. I want to go there and enjoy myself in that context.
0: Some of my favorite recorded sets ever are ones from Labyrinth. Peter Van Hosen's live hybrid from a couple years ago. There's a really great Pete Namluk tribute set from 2013 that I love a lot as well. So what do you think it is about Labyrinth that brings out these really special sets from different artists?
1: You know, because the artists are aware um, the people who is invited to Labyrinth is not people that um, it, it it's called to perform or it's booked to perform because um, other reason than they are nice nice human beings and excellent musicians. If you are a very good musician but you're an asshole, you're not going to be booked there. That's the it's the very simple thing. It's like when when you are you get booked to Labyrinth. It's because there is a deep thought behind and uh, and you know, you are going to be uh, facing a very, very stimulating audience. Um, You're going to perform in a very stimulating and high calibrated sound system. So you need to be absolutely aware about what you are doing. So you have to bring the A-game.
0: Plus everyone is actually listening.
1: Yes. <laughs> so this is enough motivation to work a lot on it and to prepare something the problem is sometimes all of this effort you do maybe sometimes uh, goes under risk because you get a bit nervous but um you know this is one of the things that i've been trying to um, you know to give my contribution with uh, since i'm a kind of veteran let's say I tend to welcome, you know, um, the, the newcomers, people that has maybe is there for the first time. Peter also does the same, you know, we know what Labyrinth is about. We have been way nervous many times, but now we we, we, we are more familiar to the tension release thing. And uh, we try to help, um, let's say, in even small ways, um, other people to be welcome in the family because it's a family and and, and, and you bring your, your your own you know I've seen many artists crying after their sets. I did that myself and the only place where I've been ever crying was at labyrinth because once it's like after you pour everything that you have inside and you put it on the table and you share it with people. You are naked really. And then you have no other thing to do. That doesn't mean that any artist that came to play connected under percent, but the most of them did, in a very nice way.
0: Can you talk about some of your favorite sets from Labyrinth?
1: Oh, <laughs> some of my favorite sets. Well, I I heard amazing. I cannot choose. I mean, I mean, I, I remember. I I remember when. When Pete Peter Van Ozen turned completely psychedelic one year and I was like whoa you know it's like uh, he, he had a very transitional um, experience at, at at labyrinth he came that he was uh, good in a way he has been really shaping his sound and transforming himself uh, over the years in the labyrinth so I would say um, yeah, I cannot choose a set in particular from him, but I, I, I can say what amazed me about him is how he opened his mind year after year. And uh, every year he was way more amazing and interesting to listen to. Another uh, set that I cannot, uh, I cannot, also here I cannot mention just one, is Atom and Tobias. mm mm-hmm. Because they totally embrace the labyrinth spirit and they, and they play. They are playful with people. They have so much experience and they have an open brain, very open. And, 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 and they, they know that they are playing a game with the people. They are playing chess. They are like making a special trick, which is going to have an effect, an impact. Two hours later, they have a big overview about what they do. So I cannot, um, I, you know, I would say, you know, Atom Hart also, he's, a, he's a, someone that has been, like, really um, making the family richer in, since when he joined. I remember him, the first time he was sitting always by himself, you know, very serious, and he was studying everyone. He, uh, you know, I didn't know how to approach him myself. <laughs> Because I was a bit, you know, shy towards him. Yeah. And then he came to me after my set, and he said, "De puta madre," and I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> de puta madre," you know, son of a bitch. But in in Spanish, that's a huge compliment, you know. And he li- he lives in uh, in in Chile, so he's a uh, he's um he, he has uh, in his uh, in his DNA um heart is, uh, you know, German efficiency, but on the other hand is South American craziness. <laughs> you put this together and it's Atom Heart, you know, <laughs> with a lot of psychedelics into it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes, it is definitely, you know, um, um, someone extremely important in the, in the balance of the family, you know. I cannot see actually a labyrinth without him. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. I would feel like um, something is out of place. Same as Atom Heart, another person uh, that has... Um, left a piece of his art in that place is john Elliott, which is also brother to me is another person that i really love in my life and he has been like uh, bringing um, a musical background into it which was uh, unprecedented before Um, his way of understanding drones ambience psychedelics applied to his way of doing music it's something that stays unique I mean, last year he played, um, you know, they played imaginary softwood sets in in, during a thunderstorm. Wow. And there were the speakers like moving (laughs) and, you know, everything could tear apart from a moment to another. But that transformed their set in something truly unforgettable, you know.
0: It kind of goes back to what you were saying about your music belonging in nature, I guess, because there's so many elements that can come in and out when you're playing outside.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I assume for me, this is the same, you know, (laughs) Yeah, I guess.
0: (laughs) So what would you say is your biggest hope for how we think about nature and music together in the future?
1: Well, I, I, I hope personally that there will be, I'm, I'm sure there will be people, more people probably that is already doing the, doing it. It's not that I'm crazy that I feel this way. I think that many other people is about to come and uh, take the legacy in the future. You know, it's like, uh, I personally don't see myself um, lasting much, much longer in this. I think at some point I will just take it easy and do my simple life here. (laughs) It's impossible to think that this is going to end at some point. I think this is already, um, you know, traveling with me this way of thinking for many years, now I would say decades, and I'm sure this is um, a type of life philosophy that is um, aw- available there, and other people will just embrace it and make it better than what I did. And th- this is what I hope for, you know, uh, for the future. I hope to see someone who will make me extremely proud and interested to listen to it, not necessarily will be me, going there to play it, but I will maybe just enjoy, because I know the feeling, what it means to embrace the nature and play the music you like. When I will realize that there is other people, maybe that is young now, but not too young in 10 years, uh, I will be very happy to see an experience I will follow. I will be always following people that um, you know, will have something interesting to, to say about nature and music and how to connect them.